Jacob Stevenson. And I'm Josh Way. And welcome to another episode of Shutter Speed. Here at Shutter Speed, this is a podcast for people interested in video and photo production in the automotive industry. Our goal here is to share, educate, and entertain you with stories, experiences, and content that we've created, as well as bring on guests to share their stories. Today we're going to talk about a Porsche 911 Safari um, and the video that we made with the ins and outs that it took to create that. And we're coming from the house of gear tie today and uh, buoy bags. As you can see, we've got a very specialized Porsche 911K back behind us that was built by several people, but uh, uh, not the least of which is um, Rod Emery mm. and uh, several race cars behind us. And uh, there's a race car behind us on the wall as well, which is holding and, up a TV. And Josh's shot. I mean, as you learn over here, Josh is very much a Porsche guy. And so we're in his element and talking to Dan. They're very good buddies. Right. Well, we haven't introduced Dan yet, but Dan is our guest today. He's going to be coming on. He is the owner of the uh, the Porsche RS, uh, like what Safari car uh, you saw in our video we just uh, put up. I hope uh, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go check it out. Uh, this podcast will make a lot more sense once you've seen that video. Yeah. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk about that whole video and kind of share what we went through, what kind of hurdles we had to go over to kind of make that thing happen. Yeah. Um, obviously, being in a cold Minnesota environment, there were plenty of hurdles and difficulties and yeah. But yeah, I mean, the cold Minnesota environment is what made the video. Right. Yeah. So we wanted to use like that element, you know, a frozen Minnesota and a Porsche race car safari type thing mm -hmm. um, to our benefit and make it look awesome and prove to the rest of the world that um, there can be a lot of fun with cars had in the Midwest yep. and in the cold, and that's what we did. Yeah, and I mean, as, we, as we've discussed and we'll continue to discuss, Minnesota has actually a pretty crazy car world. I right. mean, for being the Midwest, the cars that we see are the same that you would see anywhere else, especially in a warmer environment. Good selfie. Um, I mean, California cars, there's, there's probably nothing in California that isn't in Minnesota, just less quantity. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, for the most part. Um, but the idea behind this video was kind of born, um, born from that. Like we wanted to show, we wanted to show Minnesota in the cold and so like just ripping on cars mm -hmm. and having a good time, mm -hmm. and on several different like locations, right? To just show some diversity. Right. Um, some things like we couldn't go to the level that you know, Hoonigan can do just cause we don't have the budget for that kind of stuff, but yeah, we did our very best and we used, uh, the natural, uh, lakes to our benefit. And then we worked with, uh, ERX, which yeah. they were awesome to work with. Um, they are up shoot, Elk, Elk River, Elk River. Yep. Um, I just race off road track. Like they do some awesome racing up there all like all year long. It's snowmobiles jumping over huge jumps in the wintertime and trophy trucks in the summertime yeah. and uh those guys were awesome to work with can't say that enough where did this idea come from i think yeah. this is something that you approached me with yeah it was just kind of a combination of of seeing other cool stuff people are doing on the internet and yeah winters are long here in minnesota so we we just wanted to get out and make something awesome and um and also like i said is it's kind of showing what can be done in Minnesota in the mm -hmm. winter. Um, you kind of see content like this all over the place from the deserts, right? Right. People going out to those dry lake beds in Nevada or California yeah. and making content like this, uh, either for fun or, or for commercial purposes. 
Um, and we can do that here in the winter because we basically have a dry lake bed when they're frozen. And right. Right. Um, some of the photos you're going to be able to see on the video uh, podcast here is uh, the photos I shot of this car at sunrise on a bitter cold morning out on Lake Minnetonka mm-hmm. uh, outside of Minneapolis was, I mean, the orange light from the morning sunrise is awesome. And I mean, you, you kind of have to look closely to even tell it you're not in a desert environment. You're actually on a frozen lake when it was 10 below zero right. uh, in Minnesota, but it's, it's kind of hard to tell. And that's some of the beauty that we were able to capture with, with this car and being up that early. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of what our ideas came from to make this happen. Um, so then we kind of moved on to like a planning stage mm-hmm. and obviously Jake and I got together and um, started coming up with ideas on how to make this, make this happen. It wasn't, wasn't easy. Um, but the biggest part was who were we going to use? Um, my connection to Dan, uh, Dan was um, already in place. He was, uh, I met him in the PCA. He was always racing Porsches, classic air cooled Porsches that, at uh, PCA events all over, and uh, we had a number of connections together, and mm-hmm. I just hit him up, and I was like, "Dude, we gotta, we gotta make this." And it just so happened, like, he was building this RS Safari. Or, right. Yeah, I keep saying RS Safari, but he, we're calling it R Safari. The RS Safari. The, yeah, <laughs> the S is multi-purpose. Um, we'll just call it the RS Safari. Yeah. So Even though it's spelled R S R P. It's just R Safari, but there it's like go. RS. It's like how, yeah, it is what it is. RS Red Sport. Um, so at Dan just be, ended up being the perfect subject uh, for this for this type of video, and mm-hmm. he was willing and able and had the car that was built, and um, he had just kind of been putting the finishing touches on it, and he was ready to hoon with it. Yeah, and that was a big part of what made this possible. Yep. Um, yeah, so he was a perfect subject, and um, that's and we wanted to test kind of what the car is built for too. So he was, like I said, he was uh, already sending me videos of him like just hooning this car over hillsides of like Train over, out farm fields and yeah, like just thrashing it on this yeah. car. And I was like, we have got to make something awesome with this. Yep. And yeah, it ended up working with a little bit of coordination, but. Yep, I think what we created turned out pretty awesome. I met Dan through Josh, um, and we did a video campaign for one of Dan's company's buoy bags, yeah. right? Um, and so it was just a series of clips of these bags in environments that bags shouldn't be in. Right. Um, so that's how we got to know Dan and got him involved on this, but then we faced some other challenges with uh, what to use uh, for gear because we were gonna be shooting in a very cold environment and why don't you Jacob talk us through some of the some of the challenges we faced and also mm-hmm. what kind of stuff we were using to shoot on and strategy and stuff yeah um, I mean obviously after Josh and I have come up with the storyboard and the shot list and planned our locations and shoot days um, we had chosen the cameras that we wanted to use and what we ended up using for most of the film was uh, a red Raven 4.5k um, and while it's not the best at low light, it still looks great. We're in a very bright environment, so we had our three prime lenses that we were constantly switching between with the matte box, and you know we could control the light better that way. The opening of the film, though, actually starts in gear tie 
slash Bowie Bags headquarters, right? Which is the place that Dan works out of. And he's got all of his cars stored, which you can see behind us. Um, and it was dark. So we, we shot on the OG Sony A7S II, which was at one point a really good low light camera. And we had it in our you know arsenal of equipment. So we started with that and filmed a lot of the low light stuff with there and then paired the outside footage with the red footage. Um, you know, Josh and I both being filmmakers, we wanted to challenge ourselves with all of our work. And so we went out to shoot this whole thing handheld. There's a couple tripod shots at the exclusion of drones, I guess, but right. everything that we shot was handheld. There's some post stabilization, but we wanted that really shaky look almost as if the car was just, you know, you could feel the energy coming off of it right. as it was traveling through all these environments. But I mean, there are challenges with it in the sense that, you know, you still want to have the right look to your to your video. I mean, right. everyone's got stabilizers now, and that's yeah. pretty standard. And um, I think it's a fun challenge to kind of like go back to just handheld and see what you mm -hmm. can create and the effect that it gives you. And um, like he said, it was with the exception of like the stabilized drone, you right. can't get over that. But it's become incredibly easy for anyone to pick up a camera and a stabilizer within a relatively right affordable budget and content starts to look so much the same. So how about like the red, when you transition to the red Raven, mm -hmm. um, what, what are the big advantages there? Like, w like, especially out in the bright light, like right. flexibility wise, it's, it's incredible, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's now the camera is an incredible because this is a, it's a red Raven, um, still a, the DSMC two, which is the new operating software that is the same across all of Reds. Um, and the thing that I love the most is the post-production control over the image that you've shot. And so with that, I mean, you can watch endless YouTube videos on how this stuff works, but shooting in a bright environment with harsh shadows and bright lights and snow is extremely bright, oftentimes brighter than the actual sky. So some of the, I mean, the most impressive thing with the Red is just the dynamic range, right? So dealing right. with such a bright environment, I mean, for those of you who maybe haven't been around snow, it I mean, it's its white as mm -hmm. it can be, right? Yeah. And when you've got sunlight coming straight down on that, now it is brighter than the sky. So yep. it's usually, it's like flipped what, the, the challenges flip what you're usually dealing with, right? Yeah. You usually have a gradient filter um, or something like that. But being able to kind of work with that and the dynamic range that camera brings is mm -hmm. awesome. And we lucked out. I think we had four different shoot days for this project. And yep. each day we had a bluebird sky. With the yeah. exception, I think the track, the gray clouds started coming at the end of the, the yep. shoot day, but that was fine. So, I mean, we had our we have our gradient ND filters that just slide right in the matte box, and it's darker on top, lighter on the bottom. Right. But we actually flipped that because the snow is so much brighter, especially on a deep blue sky day. Right. Well, we should we should talk about that a little bit. Is is the time investment into this is yeah pretty huge so far. I mean, yeah. the, the tally I've obviously lost track, but shooting days alone we had four different shooting days and surrounding that there were several planning days mm -hmm. like up with dan um, with jacob uh, we've had countless hours already spent in post and um tweaking things and and uh yeah it's it's yeah. it's no small hurdle to to make a video like this and the four different shooting days were uh one sort of uh in the evening where we shot the opening scene mm -hmm. with dan yeah. Um, one day was shooting in those fields. Yeah. Uh, se second day was it lake day, or was that the same day as field day? That was the same day. And we had I went to 
ERX on two different occasions, which took mm-hmm. a whole day. And then we shot at ERX for another shooting day. Yeah. And yeah, just some follow-up day and time and hours spent uh, making that happen. It's it's a huge challenge to, yeah. to kind of coordinate something like this. So um, we did our best. But um, yeah, gear-wise though, um, besides the cameras, uh, the handheld cameras mm-hmm. we were using, I got a new Inspire 2 DJI drone. Um, so that was my first time using it on this project, and it was 10 below zero and <laughs> running a new drone system and trying to figure it out, all out the, the differences and stuff while it's freezing cold and your hands yeah. are freezing and, yeah. and it, the batteries are, you know, burning up faster than usual. It was, it was a challenge. And yep. um, I finally used up all the batteries on the lake day where I used it. Yeah, we did burn um, through all the batteries. And we had to get the one last final <clears throat> sunset shot, which ended up being with my Mavic. Mm. Uh, luckily, I kind of always have that around because it's the perfect thing to just always go back to. It shoots 4K and it, it does a great job. And um, the 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 i2 is awesome, Yeah, especially because you can change the lenses and things like that. But um, it was very much a test and tune day with that thing yeah. so yeah there's a lot more complexity and it's a huge box that comes in i have a big carry case with it and it's just this massive undertaking to just haul around with you and set it up at each new place and mm-hmm. swap out batteries and set up two pilot mode which yeah we tried and kind of failed that the first time we did it and, um but yeah that was that was a big challenge and i think we got what we needed in the end but yep. it was it definitely brought some headaches in the beginning so like with every project, though, you look back on it, and there's always things that you could change. Yeah, um, always. You li- yeah, you, you shoot and you learn yeah. on, every, on every project, so that's definitely took away some lessons from Every this one. new film project is like starting a new puzzle. You sure. run into a problem that you've never had before. Yeah. But that's what makes you a better shooter and a better producer, and it just the more experience you can have out in the field, the better, because it rounds you out so much more. Um, but yeah, we wanted to challenge ourselves, and mm-hmm. I think we did it. And we're gonna make more in the future, and it's gonna be even better. But yeah, I mean that was one of the motivational points behind kind of launching this entity together that Shutter Speed Media will become is these passion projects that that the two of us are doing together now has a platform to be produced well and then marketed well. So I think that uh, the RS Safari project is first of many that you could call passion project, but will now be produced under a new name together using our, our professional work. Yeah, and, our, and our, our goal with this was to use this just as a, a training exercise, mm-hmm. as an experiential exercise to uh, always be pushing your own boundaries and trying new things and working in uh, uncomfortable settings. And yep. um, the more you can do that, it, it makes you stronger yeah. person, it makes you stronger shooter, it makes you stronger in business and everything. And the connections you make almost become more valuable than the work that you've done. Right. Obviously, we're really grateful to have work with Dan and ERX um, and ERX, City like of Minnetonka. Everyone involved. The list is already like into the several dozen people yep. that have helped us on this project so yep. far, and uh, just awesome to have such a great team behind us. Yep. One of which is a sponsor of today's podcast, Bowie Bags. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Bowie a collection of waterproof backpacks, pouches, phone wallets, and fanny packs for all of life's adventures. Featuring TrueZip waterproof zippers, buoy bags are completely submersible and airtight, keeping all of your valuables safe and dry. 
With summer right around the corner, it's the perfect time to pick one up and waterproof your life. Head on over to buoy.com to learn more and order yours today. That's B-O-O-E dot com. So yeah, Dan, uh, who's the owner of the Safari car, he runs a company that produces multiple things and gear ties, um, but also these buoy bags. And we've had firsthand experience with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had our hands on it. We've we've submerged it ourselves and covered it in dirt and yeah. mud puddles. And yeah. yeah, we threw it off a boat once. We did. But, um, so super cool if, uh, if anyone needs uh, anything like that. I think everyone needs something like that. Yeah. Um, for any, you know, even just simple walks in the woods or, you know, maybe we're out fishing or anything like that. They're, they're pretty cool. Yep. Um, we have one right here actually for anyone watching the video. So pretty cool. Yep. I was impressed by their bags. Thinking back growing up, I used to do a bunch of, uh, camping with, with my family and my dad and he used to lead these trips in the mountains and there was, I don't think ever a bag that you could just zip up and it would be watertight. There's lots of different cases, and you could do, like, the roly-poly, like, fold it five times, clip it, run around. And I'm holding this bag right now, and having worked with them, I know, but, like, the zippers aren't, like, interlocking, like, teeth. Yep. But it's more of, like, a channel that that they're rubber, and they stick together. Yep. Um, And they are, yeah, really secure and cool. Yeah, they're so secure that they're actually... Yeah, and they're they're buoyant in the water. Yeah, they float because obviously there's air in the bag and they float. So and they're that sealed. You won't that... lose your stuff. Yeah. All right. So coming up next, we're going to introduce Dan Martinson. So welcome, Dan. Uh, Thanks. Everyone, this is Dan Martinson, and he is the owner of that very special. Uh, is it an SC? It's an... Uh, no, it is actually a Carrera. It's a 1989 Carrera 911. Okay. Yep. And it's been pretty much ground up, complete restoration and build to what you want it to be. Yeah, pretty much. It started actually as a race car that used to race in Porsche Club. And I bought it from a guy in Wisconsin and then pretty much built it up from there. Okay. How long have you owned it? I've probably had it now for two and a half, maybe even three years. Okay. Um, So I should should restart with Rich, rewind a little bit. Can you tell us maybe just a little bit about yourself and maybe your company? we already kind of talked about buoy bags and uh, oh, how cool. awesome those things are. Uh, we have to have one right in front of us, and uh, we've been talking a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, just give us a, a quick couple of couple of words on what you do and sure how yeah. it started. So the company name is Extrudex, and I'm a manufacturer. I extrude plastic and rubber, and I also do injection molding. So that's kind of been my background professionally since I got out of college back in 1992. And the Gear Tie brand is kind of my main product that I make here. You can buy them at Home Depot and Lowe's, REI, you know, all mm-hmm. over the place. Uh, reusable rubber twist ties. Yep, I always see them at the local hardware yeah. stores. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've been making those here for 10 years. And then I invented this waterproof zipper that kind of uses the same equipment in the plant. And those are now being used in uh, different types of waterproof products. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of my background is design and manufacturing. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, how did you, uh, moving on to cars, how did the whole car thing start? Where, where did the passion for cars begin? Did it start with Porsche? Tell us a little bit about your car history. Yeah, I guess, you know, my dad had a Mustang GT 1987. So that was kind of uh, the first fast car, you know, zero to 60. What year six, was it? Six seconds back in 
1987, but back then, man, that was, you know, you could burn some rubber with that car. It was mm. fun. Uh, and I, I used to work on old Porsches, old 356s when I was in high school. I did um, some res- restoration work, uh, okay. a guy in Minnetonka. So I got into Porsches back then, and then, you know, once I could buy one, my first one was a 911, and back in 2001, it was a 996. Blue with a really cool tan interior. It was awesome. Was that, that was your first one? That was my first Porsche, yeah. Okay. And I bought that from Carousel and I was living in Georgia at the time. I drove it all the way down to Georgia in the winter. And that was an experience because that suspension on that car was pretty bad back then. It was was pretty rough. It was a 996 Carrera? Yeah. Just that, the first first of the the liquid cooled. Yeah, it it was fun though. And I lived in Georgia for a while, so. And then, I don't know, over time, I started buying other cars and went to the racetrack and uh, then got into racing Porsches. Um, Did you so. ever race liquid-cooled stuff? I mean, I, I guess I see a few on the wall, um, but you started racing air-cooled big time. I started actually in a 944 S2. And is it this one? Which is on the wall. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy crashed in the kink at Road America, and now it's a monument. Okay. Um, and then I ended up in a Cayman, actually, and GTB1 class. And then from the Cayman... Which I, one is it on the wall over there? I know I'm pointing off screen. Oh, yeah, screen. so it's that, the gear tie one right there. Okay. So that was the first car. That was the second car. It was a Cayman. And then I bought a Cup car, which is in the middle up there. Yeah, which, a 996 right. Cup. And then after that, I went into uh, a 78 Euro SC race okay. car, which was my first air-cooled race car. Okay. And I've been in that ever since. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. my favorite car to race. What makes it special to race? What I mean, why is it your favorite? You know, it, it's uh, there's no driver assistance. You know, no okay. anti-lock brakes. Hmm. There's no power steering. Um, you know, everything is threshold braking. It's all just very direct okay. inputs. And so it's more of a challenge to drive at the limit than other race cars that I've driven. Mm-hmm. So it, and obviously, like yeah. they aren't the highest horsepower cars, so you're probably just wringing the neck on these things constantly. Oh yeah, I mean it's funny. I uh, I did a I looked at a YouTube video of a guy named Corey Friedman that runs an RSR in, in PCA, and this was at uh, VIR, and I was looking at his corner speeds. My corner speeds were within like five miles per hour of his car. And imagine that RSR, all the wings, yeah. the tires are literally like three, yeah, three fifteens or something. Yeah, yeah, like huge. And yeah. I'm running, you know, little two seven fives or two forty fives or whatever. <laughs> um, but that's how great these cars handle. I mean, yeah, he's going 180 in a turn five at Road America. I may be doing 135. But yeah, sure. When it's racing, you don't really look at how fast you're going. You're, it's all about the guy around you and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and the race craft. So. Yeah. so racing is a big part of uh, kind of what you enjoy and who you are and how I obviously met you, part of PCA stuff. Right. Um, how did then you got into, like, the Safari builds? I've, that became a thing in the past few years, and now it yeah. seems like it's taken off, and you're kind of uh, right in the midst of it. And tell us a little bit about how this one started for you, the gray, the gray car. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't own a Porsche that's stock other than the car that my wife drives. Everything else has got something modified. So that's the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, um, 
I, you know, I've always been a dirt biker. I like off-road stuff. Mm-hmm. And Lee Keen, who is a uh, former professional race car driver, yeah. he kind of brought back the, savar- the safari craze. Because uh, it was big back in, like, the 70s. Yeah, right? but more for, like, racing. I mean, it was, you oh. know, they, they raced all around the world in different rallies or Baja or, or you yeah. know, whatever. And all of a sudden, he decided, hey, I'm going to strap on some shocks and uh, some BF Goodrich uh, KO2s, and I'm going to go hit the trail. And I saw that, and I was like, damn, that looks fun. Because, you know, being in Minnesota, I wanted something I could I could run I can run all year. I can right. go off trail in the snow, and I was, yeah, I was right. all in. Like, You're not oh, afraid to get a little yeah. you know, salt on it and everything like that. So. Yep. So that was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he's been pretty influential in that whole safari thing Lee Keen has. Yep. Um, yeah. Tell us what's different about your car specifically than some of the other safari builds out there. What's unique about yours? Yeah, you know, I think if you were to look at my car versus a Kelly Moss build, which generally is a 964, mm-hmm. um, a Roth Sport Racing out in Oregon, which is usually a 964, mm-hmm. um, those look a little bit more purpose-built, like truly off-road racing. Uh, and, and Lee's car is, you know, it's a nice car, but uh, it's a little more basic. I think when you look at mine, I like the styling better. It's, it's mm. flared out. The, the, the wheel arches um, really fit the wheels and the tires. Okay. Um, just it, it's a little bit more creative, a little bit more stylish, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for like a street and off-road use. Yeah, yeah. and everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has what yeah, their interests are. Yeah, everybody's got their own interest, right? I like uh, yeah. the rally lights are awesome on yours with, yeah. with the bash bars and the, even the, the mirrors have lights on them, which yeah. is just extra width, I guess. Yeah, it's just um, different than what the other cars that you'll see out it's there. It's funny. Right? I mean, you can kind of make those things however you want. You know, there's yeah. there's no limits on what you can do with those cars. I guess yep. that's what's pretty cool. Yeah. And and I I mean, just wanted I'm, to, I'm not much of a Porsche guy, but I appreciate what these are being built into. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your take. Um, you've got what you're racing, then you've got the stock form of it, you've got what you've created in the RS Safari. Mm-hmm. What's your take on pretty much the polar opposite, which is an RWB? I'm not a big RWB fan, um, mainly because what I've learned over these past like yeah. 10 years with these Porsches and modified Porsches mm-hmm. and, yeah. and different builds, it's all about drivability. Right. And I just think from what I've heard, those cars just don't drive well i think it's very much a a, 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 a go slow and show it off exactly yeah, it's, a, it's an all show no go kind yeah, of and i can't handle that no, I, I gotta yeah. go out there and it's gotta i gotta want to get in it and be comfortable because yep. then you're gonna drive it and right. like being in it you know? yeah i don't i don't disagree with the fact that those exist yeah i'm not into them just because what porsche is all about and has always been about is drivability you know yep. you can drive yeah. these things all the time yep. where the Ferrari guys turn around and the Lamborghini guys turn around, the Porsche people keep going yep. and they just, they drive their cars. They're not yeah. afraid of miles and that's what's cool. And mm-hmm. the RWBs, they're just... They're a great poster car. They're a great poster car. They yeah. look yeah. cool, but... Sexy. Yeah, not, not my cup of tea. <laughs> so that's, Minnesota over the bumps and oh gosh. potholes yeah. and cracks. My like, gosh, shoot. I, you know. I, I definitely appreciate the, dra- <laughs> you know, you know, the safari approach more than yes. the RWB, but... Yeah, no discredit to whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. Yado Mato, whatever. It's very creative. <laughs> cool. Nakai-san. Nakai-san? Nakai-san. Okay. Right? Nakai-san. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just awesome to hear about. Kind of, well, tell us a little bit more about your, like, wheel, suspension, setup. Like, what, 
what allows that car to do those jumps mm-hmm. and really you know come up begging for more yeah so the the shock package we we started with an elephant racing package and all they did was take a, a stock shock and, and make it longer right okay. mm. Uh, but I think Lee's the one who did all the testing and all these and decided that it wasn't robust enough. They had some breakage. Sure. So he worked with motion control suspensions to create a package that was more robust, could handle more of the, uh, the abuse off-road, and that's kind of how it came about. So mm-hmm. he, he sized it up, figured out what the, you know, the, the BF Goodrich tire size and everything, what it needed to be, and um, they're actually they're not a complicated shock package mm. i mean i don't do any adjustments or anything it's kind of set it's a really stiff ride stiffer than you'd think on okay. pavement sure um but it's not too harsh and the, and the car handles like a 911 most people think like oh my gosh that thing must roll around corners right. like right. like uh you know so stadium trucks right? right right um but it doesn't i mean it, it you can throttle steer it around corners with the rear end it's incredible the way he's got it set up and then when you get off-road, it's actually pretty soft and, and um, compliant. Yeah, so right. You did I was, a good job on it. I was amazed at what you could do with that. What, uh, yeah. What's the difference on, like, stock ride height versus this? What's the what's the actual clearance difference? I'm not roughly, sure. I mean, what, roughly. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what a stock ride height is, but, like, we're about nine inches off the ground from, okay. um, you know, the pan of the car, the, the bottom bo- of the, the car. The lowest point. Okay. So it's probably a good four inches or something, sure. you know? Which is which is everything we needed to do on our video i mean it took everything you know we were jumping and going over ruts and potholes and jumps and it was just i mean even some of those jumps i feel like you you could have still taken it farther that car would have been fine you know yeah so that was really cool does does uh lee knows about your car and he knows you and oh been very helpful he doesn't feel like like you're taking his idea or anything and i mean it's there's no hostility or anything like that (laughs) you guys are just yeah just taking an idea and building on it right oh absolutely i mean i I don't think he's in he's got a a pretty big build list right now um he was just he sold me the shock package oh so he's been involved in a lot of stuff yeah that's cool cool to see i think i like the camaraderie especially with Mm -hmm. porsche people and um, i told him i said i'll put lee keen on it if you want me to he's like no no that's your car (laughs) man i'm not interested just because he wasn't in charge of the whole thing yeah Yeah, it doesn't match his builds exactly i get that he's he's chosen what he wants to be represented as Mm -hmm. and that's that's cool but um so the car took some took some licks um we definitely faced a few technical difficulties on the shoot day when we were making Mm -hmm. this film um one of which was getting stuck a few times when we i don't know overdrove or just stuff happens tell us a little bit about um yeah that was overdriving yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's about it i got stuck a lot less than i thought it would yeah, it, it goes pretty good. I mean, once you get into that deep stuff and, you know, like that hard crust and then it breaks away and yeah. it's all about ground clearance. I mean, it, once you've exhausted your ground clearance, it doesn't matter what the tires are, you're mm-hmm. done. Right. Yeah. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It was in, in an environment that not many cars could go in the first place. And, yeah. Um, I had my truck there to get it unstuck a yep. couple times. Um, and one thing we learned was on your car, like the bash bar in the rear wasn't you know fixed on as much as we thought yeah, it would be it wasn't as structural as i thought it was yeah it was basically um basically in some tubing and then it had a lock screw right yeah yeah um so when we hooked my strapper on it and pulled it we we kind of yanked it out um so i don't know if that has that been changed at all now or is it is it just kind of still the well, same that's or a good question 
Probably the same. Okay. Yeah. That is not a tow bar. Right. Uh, well, we, we live and learn, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, and if you crash into it, it, it kind of, it'll shear that pin at a certain amount of force. See? Yeah. So it's, it's like an impact. Bump. Do you feel like our video, like the driving experience on our, you know, during our video uh, sessions, do you feel like you learn anything about the car and learn anything you wanted to update or change as a result of the things we learned on that, on the shoot days? Hmm. Not really. Okay. Yeah, I think it kind of performed the way I thought it would, you know? Yeah. So We can keep going. Okay. I, I think back to our day at ERX, mm-hmm. you were pretty blown away at the amount of commitment that that track takes. Yeah. And it would be cool at some point to go back. I don't know if a Porsche could take it. Maybe it could. But to, to bring up the level of send, maybe on dry summer day where we have... Granted, you know, I mean, the vehicles that are on those tracks, yeah. like sending it... 30, 30 inches we of could find a they, limit they, they like trophy trucks yeah. right so yeah. yeah there's only so much you can do without and maybe the suspension could handle it but the motor mounts might not you sure, know you don't sure. want to drop well, i think yeah the, if we went further than what we did um i'd need a cage i'd need a full cage yeah. yep. that was tied into the shock towers and all of sure that, you know? yeah that makes sense because it's just there's not enough rigidity to do that Cut. That was probably a good limit there yeah. that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wanted to be conservative. Well, you know, interesting enough to make a great video, but Correct. conservative oh, yeah. enough Correct. to make sure we didn't break anything we so we could keep safe. filming, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. it was finding that balance, and I think you did a good job. But um, what was it like driving this car, any car in that sort of manner? I mean, you're just you're just hooning around corners. I mean, oversteer everywhere. It's, mm-hmm. it's got to be a riot. We I have limited experience kind of hitting on a car that that hard but yeah. like just mm-hmm. tell us about the fun factor i guess well what's unique about the car and I, I learned this from lee when i first talked to him he said you know put a 215 tire on it you know okay. from the width of the tire i'm like 215 yeah. I mean, that's like nothing yeah right and it's a truck tire right and where am i going to get any grip he's like well that's the point yeah you don't want a lot of grip i mean okay. sure. that tire will give you a lot of grip in the gravel and on the yeah. dirt yeah but and then on the asphalt it's fun grip Okay. I kind of learned that it's like yeah, I, my perspective is totally changed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I can literally throttle and brake steer the car around any corner and do mm-hmm. anything I want right. to with it because of some lack of grip. Yeah, but because I know how to drive that way, I, I mean, you know, I, I can I can go through a corner super fast, which and is control the, the car. opposite of driving a track car on a track. Right. And Absolutely, the opposite. So yeah. it's got to be fun, kind of balancing those opposites, mm-hmm. right? It's true, but even in my race car, um, obviously I'm driving a, a slick, basically. Yeah. Um, I drive, I don't drive the same way, but when you go into a corner, uh, you, you're doing the same thing. You're, out, you're on the, the limit of the tire and you're rotating the car. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a lot of the same things, but a, a smaller percentage, sure. right? You, you might, you might rear end might move a foot over to get the car directed and back to throttle out of the corner. Okay. Or in that thing, I'm, I'm halfway, yeah. you know, Your 90 degrees. Lock. Yeah, just yeah. Full lock. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, it was certainly fun watching. But it. at a slower speed, that's Correct. the fun. I can have yeah. fun in that car at yeah. like 40 to 60 miles per hour yep. and be complete hooligan. You don't yeah. need to be going 100 miles per hour to get the rear end to slide right. out. Yeah. Know? I mean, yeah, there is a instance I know of where you were driving back from BIR uh, and, you're, and you're like, well, I'll just go off the road. So here you are in the ditches and like oh, jumping yeah. over the crossroads and stuff. I'm like, no, that is fun. Yeah. You know, like, you can't do that in a race car. Can't do fun. that in a regular road car yeah. or no. race car. So, no. 
um, <laughs> launching it over crossroads. Um, so that is awesome, and it's just it was great to work with that car and you on this video mm. project. And obviously, we couldn't have done it without you um, yeah. or your willingness. So thank you. You know, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, thanks. Uh, if you haven't seen great. the video yet, like I said, go watch it. And then uh, a little bit more of this podcast will make sense. But yeah, um, what is tell us like we've got some things coming up for you. Yeah, there's another car that yep. is sort of in development still and is putting the finishing touches on it. Can you give uh, us a little teaser? Give us a, a yeah. few little details just to hint it. Hint sure. It. So this is build number two and this is going to be crazy. I mean, this is taking it so far. It's insane. So I'm taking a, a 964 C4. Okay. I put a 993 twin turbo motor in it that's got 500 horsepower, 500 pounds of torque at about 2300 rpm that <laughs> so it, and i had it i had it here about two weeks ago and uh my friend Dwayne drove it and he just came back and like just couldn't stop smiling <laughs> yeah, yeah. couldn't believe the experience <laughs> yeah. it's insanity the that. power of this car but the suspension is uh comes from a, a company over in europe and is, is very rally proven okay. and it they're actual they're four-way shocks and what they have is a lot more droop. I think it's called droop. So like yeah, when you hit sure. whoop de doos like if you watch a, a Baja truck, they you'll like, see the wheels drop yeah. down. Yeah. So that's what it gives you. It has all these different damping adjustments. Interesting. Unlike huh. a two-way or one-way shock where yep. it is what it is. So yep. now when I'm off-road, this thing isn't going to be doing this. It's yep. just going to be kind of, you know, like this. And, uh, and it still handles flat. That's, and it's insane. That's well, we're gonna yeah. we're definitely gonna get our hands on that in the future, yep. and uh, you will be seeing more of that in this space. So subscribe to our podcast. Um, I think that's about it, yep. unless anyone has anything else to add. But um, yeah, no, Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. And yeah, oh, we're we're doing COVID, this because COVID nineteen, COVID, yeah. COVID yep. handshakes. Yeah, um, although you are yeah. safe with me because I had COVID. So oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that is it. Thank you for listening.